Who's so? Oh, there you go. Cheers. You sound surprised. Hey, traveling. That's probably because I've been talking for the last three minutes with no response. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And then I changed something in it. And you went, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have a look here. No, no, I think it was, I think it was me. I think because I've been unplugging and plugging shit in. I'm fucked. I was just saying there's a lot of, a lot of old band music released this week. Well, it's a bit like people are always saying, oh, you know, all these celebrities keep dying. It's like, no, it's just that there are more celebrities around now because we've had more time where pop culture has been a thing. And that's the same thing. There are a lot more old bands releasing music because there are a lot more old bands. Existential, isn't it? I've got an interesting um, little thing happening in my house with with music, right? Because – I don't know if I've told you this story, but my, my mum had really bad migraines when I when I was growing up, and mm-hmm. and still does. But she like music was just painful to her. Yeah. So like you have these, you know, like and you've sort of got that formative story of listening to your dad's music and and then sort of you know playing against that. But at least you had something to play against. The, the only memory of my mum playing music, I've only got one, and she played a Slim Dusty album on a record player when we went to someone's house. And she, like, you know, said, oh, I really like this record. And that's the only time that Slim I can sort Dusty. of remember, remember my mum interacting with music yeah. until and, – and, and, like, so all my musical interaction was, like, literally on Walkmans and, and you know, yourself. little tiny – yeah. T- tape decks within my own room, right? It wasn't in the larger family yeah. situation. So yeah, and for me, it was kids- it was like Triple J and and or even before then, it was like the local the local FM station and um, you know tapes purchased from the you know off off from shops yeah, and things but, like that. But, but, um, but I should but say my, the, my the old man's taste like- music was sort of you know popular music until about 1971, and then classical music. So. Um, yeah. So there was no, there was no fucking, no one was putting on music in the house. Um, but but it, but even in the car, mum, mum, you know, never had the radio on in the car. Oh yeah, like, well we uh, always, uh, my mum always had like ABC local radio on. So yeah, I still um, know the beats of fucking of, of, all, of, of all the of all the region of regional ABC radio is still like a fucking yeah, all, incredibly yeah. recognisable. Um, so C- Curtis and I are coming home from football training. Uh, this week and and he was sort of we're talking about because he's going to high school next year and they've got a really good music program there holy shit eh? yeah it's pretty crazy and and they've got like a studio set up and they record music so we're like sort of talking about um we're talking about musical influences and and what he was sort of going to channel that into and he he's got a google that all the kids got a google speaker in their rooms now and so Curtis is on this little thing where if he hears a song that he likes when we're in the car or just, you know, walking around the house when I've got music playing on the big speakers, he, he goes and writes it down because that's how he's yeah. got to interact with the speaker. He well, needs you mentioned to know- that last week, that the, 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 he has to know the name and the version. And name the, of the you, band. Was yeah, yeah. What, what, I, what I was interested about that because when I was, I was listening back to the app to, to edit it, I was thinking that's extremely analogue. That's not a yeah. That's no, not what it's kids not are a like. Oh, well, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't like bunch it into his phone or something. Yeah, well, he does. He doesn't have a phone, and they're not allowed on their iPads during the week. Like that's the only interaction oh, he's got. Oh, so he you, lo- you're that kind of parent? Yeah, yeah, I am. I, I, it will change what? at high school. It will change at high oh, school. Oh, it will. Front. It will. Unless yeah. you want your kid to be a social pariah, it'll it'll change. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> we we understand that, but like. And, like, because that's going to be hard too, right? Because then you've got two sets of rules for two different sets of kids because- No, no, you um, won't because the rules for the second set of kids will change immediately because you won't- they'll be unsustainable. Yeah. Um, and also, you, think you what you discover with the second kid is is always the stuff that you were really fretful and, and fucking anal retentive about with the first kid. You realise, oh, actually, that didn't really fucking matter. And and the world is going to throw some shit at them anyway that they need to be able to figure out how to be resilient with. So, go ahead, yeah, maybe and they're, figure it out. They're they're, they're not they're not like the, the age is not that distant that yeah. you know we'll, pro- we'll probably hold the line for at least a year anyway. But anyway, back to the musical thing. He, we were talking about like his musical 
sort of influences and then how he interacts with his friends at school over music. And he's like, you know, all my friends at school all like the same songs and there's like four songs. There's never more than like three or four songs. It was really interesting. He he sort of gave me the full rundown on it. He's like, they all like the same songs and it's all like three or four songs, whatever the pop songs are of like because we don't listen to any radio, um, I guess we don't. Like, we listen to a lot of new music, but it might not necessarily be what's on yeah. B105 or Triple M or Triple J even. I don't even think that's where these songs are coming from. No. I think these songs Tick, are coming TikTok, from TikTok maybe, and or, they're coming from yeah. um, phone commercials and shit. And your kids aren't getting those no. because they don't have their so own devices. Said, yeah. He said, I, like, he's like, I like, he's like, I like the pop songs. They're, they're, he said, I like some of them as well. But he he found it interesting that he had a much um, deeper musical taste than his friends. He's like, oh, I like these songs as well. It's not like it's he's not like, like he didn't use the word snobbish, but he's like, it's not like I don't like the songs that they like. I like those too. But then I come well, home. Oh, he wouldn't and have fitted in with us in nineteen ninety one, would he? No, but he but he was like, then I come home and and there's like a hundred other songs that I want to listen to as well. And then now he's because he's playing two different instruments, he's trying to riff the, the melodies on those two different instruments. At once. And so I was talking about, I was like, oh, you know, maybe we we're talking about the Black Keys actually and about how, um, you know, they didn't- well, Speaking of two instruments. <laughs> yeah, so so this this led on to a conversation about, you know, um, I said, oh, maybe when you go to high school, you'll find some other kids that like the same- Roughly the same type of music that you oh, like, you and you almost certainly will. And you'll start a band, and he's like, "Oh, they, you can start a band, but you have to be in the like." He's a very rule based kid. You can start a band, but you have to be in the music excellence program to start a band. And I'm like, no, no, dude, no. to start a band, you just need at least one other person yeah. that likes the stuff that you like, and yeah. then you start off. Playing the songs that you like. And a space to make some fucking noise and the rest of it. But this is the thing. I think you also need to be, you know, fighting against your parents or you need to have some kind of creative spark. And if your parents Mm. are like saying, yeah, go out and achieve, you're going to be awesome. (laughs) Where's the fucking creative tension there? Maybe you kind of have to say, your haircut's dumb. Fucking there. Or something. You have to to come up with something to inspire them. I'm a really good parent. Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> but but I was also thinking about I might just get a bit of gear and just leave it sitting around for them to sco- to discover. So you when know, you say gear, I maybe. hope you mean musical equipment. Yeah. Not- <laughs> Music is not- You're not trying to create not, the next Jimi Hendrix experience. <laughs> Yeah, Look, they're a little, they're just a little young for that, and they could get your reputation amongst the. the I, know, I know it's up a good when they took this. I, I know this is the kind of stuff that goes on in in, in the suburb that you live in, up in Beenley, but it's you don't want to you don't want to you don't continue uh, no. the stereotype if it doesn't need to be continued. Oh, I, I, I was thinking more like samplers and a couple of microphones, but anyway, all they need is a yeah, space. That's the thing. I mean, I know that uh, my mates who've been in bands, the most useful resource they ever had to have was somebody's shed that was far enough away mm. from everybody else that they could just get out there and bash out whatever it was they wanted to bash out and and they weren't going to so bother that, anybody. Yeah, so that was the other thing that I was thinking. And also they could also play their music. <laughs> Think about was literally that, like, it would the best thing for it would be to, like, have – a shed or a room somewhere away from the house with all their musical kit in it, you know, like we've got an old keyboard, you know, get a get a like a crappy old drum kit. Um, you know, they've got their band instruments, you know, their instruments that they already play at school now. Casio toe keyboard. To, yeah, like something like there's a really cool little um sampler that just basically lets you plug like it's got a built in mic but you can also put an, an XLR mic in and you can literally just record tracks, right? It's like a yeah, – it, it, you can record stuff and then manip- manipulate it, but you can record like eight tracks at a time, which is eight instruments. Like it's it's almost like a gateway drug to sampling and recording, I guess. And, yeah, just I just wonder whether with what they're already doing in their lives, just giving them that – little bit extra stuff to play with it might be enough to to spark something not that i really want them to become 
you know, professional musicians, not exactly a, a high-paying, uh, long-term professional gig, but... Yeah, not like I, science. I just, <laughs> science, yeah. Well, that's, a, that's the other thing is like, what, 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 like, if you try and push your kids down... Show us what pick, you love and everything, everything else will figure itself out. Fuck it. Yeah, if you're trying to push your kids down a particular track, it's, it's, not, it's not trying to... It's not that helicopter parent here, you know, here, make, make, learn how to use this. It's more like, it, here's some cool stuff to mess with. And, like, if you don't mess with it, I'll probably go down the shed and mess with it. Like, I, I, That's really what it's about, is that you yeah. want to get down there and fucking start mixing yes. it up. Well, let me That's know when true. you do, because I'll come over and, and we'll, we'll cut mm. some fucking tracks. We'll cut yeah, you could, you, could prob- <laughs> you could probably, like with your, um, it's not Casio, what, what, what's no, the- No, it was, it was, it was the- uh, sequence of stuff, basically, but I haven't yeah. touched that. I haven't touched that in fucking, oh, 1996. Probably the last time I wrote yeah. something on that. But the, the other cool thing for, for this generation is if you buy them a bit of kit or- Well, just some secondhand shit off the internet, basically. Because yeah, the thing is, if you're trying to make, particularly if Curtis is, is digs that kind of black key sound, particularly old black keys, that was the, mm. the entirely built on busted shit, old shit yes. that sounded like it was half fucked. And, and that was where that sound came from. Which comes back to that re-recording thing we were talking about last week is a lot of that good stuff that people like early is hard to recreate because you just have better shit that sounds cleaner. Yes. And, and that's my- You no longer have the half-busted amp that you used to record that. They kept kept dropping out of face. Yeah. It, it's really hard for me to be like- Say, so Hilltops are on a, a European tour at the moment. And I was just thinking Hilltops because of, of our long our long standing issue with the fact that they now sound fucking cleaner than a clean. hospital bench. But it's really hard for me to to hold the line about how I'd like them go to go back to that dirty ass busted sound when I see photos of Dan playing you know, on Facebook of them playing these huge venues all over. Like they're on this massive European tour selling you know, venue. Oh, I don't know whether it's all festivals. Yeah, but Europeans will watch literally anything. I, I know. I mean, fuck's sake. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I find it hard to to dis- disagree with the amount of success that they've had. I guess I'm I'm very happy for them, even though I, I miss the early sound. Yeah, I reckon when they mm. when they lie awake at night staring at the ceiling, they miss the early sound too. Yeah, they're pretty happy. <laughs> but they know that by uh, by selling out and washing out, they found that you know that's where they met the audience. Yeah. There were a hell of a lot more people who wanted a, a milk toast well, version of what they sounded like because there's a hell of a lot of people who were milk toast as fuck. No, I, I actually think they've ended entered the ACDC zone where no ACDC never go never compromised. They, they the sound has met them, but there are a lot of people. No, no, they, they the, the the market has met them. They haven't changed their sound. Their sound is the same. I, I, I'm, I'm more meant that they've got so many people depending on them. Yeah, they, they have an industry around them, but no, they they have they have moved their sound to the to the comfortable centre where most people live. Most people are boring Tories who have no fuck. They don't want to be challenged. And True. as a result, you know, if you if you make music for boring Tories, the most popular band yeah. in New Zealand is Six Sixty. Apparently, lovely dudes, but they're like a, a washed out version of fucking Fat Freddy's. They are just yeah. impossibly generic bullshit. Making absolute bank though. Anyway, should we talk about some of the albums from this week? Should we talk about the albums from this week? Should we? Supposed to be good. Find some enthusiasm, know, Beasley. For Christ's sake. People have paid was, money to listen to this podcast. PJ Harvey. I, I felt like I, I, I was channeling you a little bit. This was a bit too depressing for me. We, we all get old, I suppose, eventually. Um, it, the, but that's that's literally what it sounded like, right? Fucking windows. Well, well, um, I don't know. I don't know whether it was reflective of where she is, or of the fact that she hasn't done an, a, an album album, if you like, an album of her own solo stuff. For years. She's done like two in the last 12 yeah. years. She did one in 2011, 2016. And every other album she's done since then has been like a commissioned original soundtrack for like a streaming series or a movie or something. And I wondered whether this was like, you know, sometimes you go to your local bottle shop and there's like a pallet of clean skins and it's like a cancelled export order. I wondered whether this was like a cancelled soundtrack order. Yeah, that's a good call, actually. Because it really felt like a soundtrack that needed somewhere to be. 
it had that very wistful yeah. and very yeah, vulnerable if, and very if, inward if you, kind of feel. If you had the context of a, a plot line with this, it probably yeah. would have made a lot more Scandinavian sense. Scandinavian noir, um, maybe. Someone's, some, a little kid's been killed in a fucking fjord. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like a, a BBC2, you know, yeah. cr- crime series or something. It's very grey and everyone's um, unhappy and everyone's wearing very dark coats. Yeah. Um, her voice is fucked up too. It's, she's, it might be why she's mostly doing sad, breathy soundtrack stuff because, you know, she can't quite hit the stuff that she used to do. The other weird thing about this album is that the, the track titles read like either you're having a stroke or she is. It's it's like Seaman Eye and, and just, just, just <laughs> collections of words that don't make any fucking sense. I, was, yeah. I, I thought it was very Star Wars. It's it's a it's very Yoda to me. Yes. I in, I inside the old I dying. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like. That's exactly it. Listen to this album. You must not. Maybe she, maybe she just wrote this in hopes that she was going to get the Ahsoka soundtrack, and then it didn't turn out. And she got really sad. Well, that's like I say, mate. I, I'm, I'm wondering if this is like a clean skin fucking cancelled soundtrack order. It's turned up in a pallet of dance, and you're like, oh, you know, this price per bottle. I might as well get into it. And the weird thing is that none of it sounds like PJ Harvey from fucking. No. You know, not it's not it's not peak the, Harvey. The last track, the noiseless noise. I think it's the last track. It's the most nineties like PJ Harvey track. It's got that kind of. It's not quite there, but it does have a bit of a pulse. It does that kind of jangly, angular, snarl kind of shit. It's not quite full right, girl. But that was never really PJ Harvey's thing. But at least it has something to it. But yeah, this um this didn't make me feel good about you know my generation and how old and wash we are. Yeah, but very few things do. It was it, it was it was a little bit depressing. It was a bit, a- and not in not in the like the music depressed me. It was just like not in the way that you want to be depressed. Not, yeah. not in your chosen way of being depressed. Oh, she did the Bad Sisters soundtrack. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I'm, I was like, you know, Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea was a good album. It was a really that was good that album. was the 2016 job. Yeah, and 2011 was Let like It Shake, which which was extremely well thought of. I thought. And that, yeah. that was much more in the style of, of her early stuff. But, uh, yeah, this is... I mean, like I say, we all get old. We all get tired. I, I guess this is PJ Harvey getting old and tired. All right. From one poly to another, perhaps? Yeah. So... <sighs> There's a lot here, I, I'm isn't trying there? To, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying... Because the, the, this album is sort of... Met, like, So I really like that Canadian band Metric, right? And, and yeah. I sort of feel that th- this is metric adjacent. Yeah, I so feel that. What- and I wonder how much of that is the the indie feel and also the extremely kind of cutesy, fine china little girl vocal. Because metric rolls that as well. Yeah. So so why did I why why did this album it, it, like irritate me like a fucking tick in a place that I could not scratch on my back? Man, I think, I, I think it's a voice. I really do. And the weird thing is. That there's a track where so this is this band is made up of three siblings from a family in Oklahoma. Like literally in the first song, they sing about you don't know what it's like to be part of a ten-piece hillbilly family, um, <laughs> which is a it kind of explains their family groove a lot. But you know, it's two sisters and a brother from this yeah. fucking Cletus is from Oklahoma. Um, do, do you reckon but, they like Josh Giddy? He is white with curly hair. I'd so. be worried about what they'd lo- they like him to do um, because. The, <laughs> The vocals are extremely thirsty. The whole the whole album feels like it's auditioning to be on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer soundtrack in 1999. Yes, it, it does. It's it's all about being 20 years old and, and kissing people. Um, it actually made me want to, want to be 25 years younger uh, in a lot of these places. Uh, and, you know, obviously, there's elements when, when it goes from cutesy indie pop into that kind of more fuzz, thrashy punk, and there's more in that kind of breeders, Veruca Salt, Slater Kinney, Right Girl kind of space. Then it um, obviously has a bit more, bit more to it. But it it wants to play around a lot, and at 67 minutes long, it probably should have done less of that. Yeah, I was going to say. Do you know what else this album is? It's fucking long. I got it's to track, long as what, shit. Track seven, and I'm like, oh, sh- surely there's only a couple more songs. Oh my god, how much more have I got to go? Because this is exactly the genre where you expect it only to be like 35 minutes and fuck off. No, no, we're <laughs> going to be here for a bit, and oh. quite a lot of this doesn't need to be here. 
Um, there are some it, really it, good. It, it, there is probably a really, really good forty-five minute album in here. Yeah, there are. There yeah. are. Well, I was going to say, there's a, there's a good half hour album. In this there's year, a, there's like, a good. There's a six or seven really good tracks that you could that you could pin a, a strong album together, but they did not have control over the Enterprise. <laughs> they, they, they lost. They lost the premise pretty quickly. Yes. The, the, when I got halfway through this album, the first list, I went. You fucking what? <laughs> when I saw how many tracks I had to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly um, right. Now, th- there's there are some really good tr- there are some good tracks on this. This is not a good album because they didn't control what they were doing. They 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 lost they they lost sight of what they were actually here to do, which is to do an album, whether they knew it or not. So, when I got to Tiger Cub, it was actually a really nice palate cleanser. I have I have no idea whether this album is actually good or not. I was just so relieved to have something that didn't depress me or make me angry. <laughs> well, it knew what it was. <laughs> That's the thing. Tiger Cub knew what it was, and and they know who they are. They are fucking kind of an emo, raw blood, muse, placebo hybrid. Uh, they can bang yeah. when they want to. Um, they can they can be sad when they want to. They love a chug a chug dirge metal guitar. Uh, this yep. was entirely very serviceable effort. I've, it's a bit samey. Sometimes it's hard to tell which track is which. But um, I thought, and, and I thought it, Swoon was a pretty good track. Swoon's a good track. Yeah, play my favourite song's a good track. The Dark Below's a good song. Until I forget, it has, it has enough bones to it that work quite well. I don't think it's it's not going to be conversing with us at the end of the year. But um, no, but what you know what? But it like does the last Tokyo album, it's fine. It's pretty fine. Like my, my my, I hate to bring this up, but my handstand videos are usually between like thirty and forty five seconds long, and I'm always after a cool riff to to put behind the handstand, right? And it's not so always instead necessarily of adding tracks a- to our um our playlist this year, you are only adding tracks to your handstand videos. You should have told us this earlier so we knew where to look. So, and this this has got like three or four tracks where it's like this is a really cool section yeah. of a song. Or, or just uh, the thing is that it jumps it it. The, often the, the the way that they play out the riffs in that it, it's a little bit chopped up and a little bit all over the place. So mm-hmm. there might be just a bit of these songs that are, that are quite good for that particular purpose. Yeah. I, I would definitely, like, if you're listening to this, this is the album I would give a listen. And, and like, I, I put it on the list. And, and this is the album uh, that we threw in at the end because your Joker wasn't, <laughs> wasn't available. So that yeah, tells you how true. well we've gone this week. The two albums we actually picked to listen to. Uh, got beaten by an album we threw it at the last minute, so we're good at this. Uh, I, I think I think that that is the balls podcast ethos. Actually. That is the so. balls podcast experience. That is the balls podcast crimson assurance. That is the guarantee yeah, we, that we, we call, provide you. We will find you an album, call, even if it's by accident. We call that the Skepta effect over here. Yes, um, and it's shut down. All right. Shouts to Adam, the Godfather of Grub. So th- here, here are my options for uh, this week. We b- binned yellow cards, so I could go. No, no, we didn't. We we only binned them because they were they were, you know, we suspended them a week because they didn't turn up. Yellow. We could have yellow card. We could have cool on the gang. We could oh, have cool on the gang. <laughs> fucking Tina Arita. Jesus Christ! Have- Why are you only picking from the fucking the 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 Breeze FM uh, easy listening? <laughs> We could have Blur. We could have. Well, Ian I did see. Moss. I did see Blur's album was out. That was one that I was thinking. Yeah. What, what about what about Ian Moss or what about Greta Van Vliet? No. Um, so much, so much good stuff to pick from this week. Blur. No, I'm going to go with uh, a band. Say they're like Outcast, which probably means they're going to not sound like Outcast and are well, not going to be as innovative or as interesting or as anything. Well, given what but, a shit job Andre 3000 did of that track he did for Killer Mike, um, yeah. you know, maybe sounding like Outcast isn't quite the thing you want to be doing right now. Well, classic Outcast would be awesome. Like, I love classic Outcast. So uh, the band's called Paris, Texas. Uh, they're an American alternative hip-hop duo founded in LA, California. Never heard of it. 2018. So at least they're slightly current i guess and the album is called midair so maybe it's a white man can't jump tribute album possibly not and it's out well today so it might be out tomorrow because tomorrow will be the 21st it might be yesterday yeah let's see if it exists on the internet i'll edit this out Look, people come for our Paris, Texas. people come for our mid-episode production meetings. So 
But on Paris, Texas, there is multiple artists called Paris, Texas. 464,747 464, monthly listeners. And their album is called Midair, and it's a... It's a fucking motocross bike doing sick airs. Oh, wow. This could be my areas. <laughs> right, right, in, right in your areas. And they have a track called Lana Del Rey, which I presume sucks. Um, mm-hmm. That's the Paris, it Texas might be, story. It might be a diss track. It might be a oh, diss so track. You since joining forces in the late 2010s, the members of Paris, Texas, Louis Pastel and Felix have crafted some of hip-hop's most singularly confounding songs. Confounding. That's what I look for in my music. And accompany them with videos that are at once narratively clever and hallucinatory, a rust of nostalgia and invention all at once. Oh, this is a massive amount of wank, and I don't even need to scroll down to no posted by Paris, Texas. <laughs> Filtered through songs that are rough and serrated or pulsing and playful, this ethos of commitment to whatever feels nakedly true in a given instant make Louis and Felix unmissable voices in music today, essential translators of the end times. Do you want to retract this pick? Because it sounds like it might be a bag of wank. Anyway. No. All right. No. Bags of wank. Ba- Bag of wank is my it's ethos. It's very much mate. your rub. Yes, it's, it's your ethos. Uh, what are you going to go for? <laughs> if we're talking about ethoses, then you must, you know, pick some Norwegian heavy metal. Close. I'm going to pick an Italian stoner rock band called Black Rainbows. <laughs> anyway. Um, good- Where'd he go? Where did he go? Major, major sausage that is. Look at the state of it. The old blue mic is dying. Yeah. There we go. That's better. I'll tell you where the cheap replacement you can get afterwards. What are we going to do for a yoker? <sighs> should, should we, should we give the, the blur blue. album Let's a spin? Let's do the blue. Yeah. Oh, the I'm, blue. I'm sort of curious, right? It's been a long- I like- heard a track off it and I thought, that's a fucking, that's a, that's an interesting coxswain riff. He's done some stuff with that. That might be fun. That could be interesting. It could be the only good track on the album. Generally, with with a band of this vintage, they have one really good track and the rest of it is poop. But that's what Jokers are for. So their last studio album was eight years ago. Did we do that? Is that just outside our purview? Oh, did what we, was it called? Did we do the Magic Whip? I, I, I don't thought, did doing you? That is that the one you picked as a fucking. I feel like you picked it as a joker. But we did do no, a week two, where we just went back and listened to all of them. It was there was an album that you really liked. I, I think we. Uh, didn't Man. we try and decide what the best Blur album was? It was. Yeah, a little, we definitely like, did th- that. Think, and we didn't agree. Th- think Tank Think Tank is my. Yeah, is my Think Tank was oh. the one you liked, which is like 2011? Yeah. Two, no, 2003. 2003, okay. Yeah. And then there's like 13. I think I decided that none of them were any good because they're all in- <laughs> inherently compromised by the fact that none of them, they couldn't get their fucking story together. But if it was going to be anything, it would be the one of the one of the peak ones. Yeah. Well, like the the first ones. It wasn't any. It wasn't the first two. It was. It wasn't like modern life is rubbish or anything like that. Yeah, thirteen is ninety nine, which I guess is their sort of peak. Yeah, the peak is interesting. Life, um, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah. I, I guess I'm more interested in seeing whether they can do a prodigy. I don't think they're that interested in it in doing a prodigy, but I, I'd love to know why they're doing this because they don't need to, and I kind of hope it's just because they just want to hang out together again. Yeah, because. He sort of like um, Alban Gorilla, g- Gorillas was his sort of, yeah. And the, and the guitarist is off making excellent artisan cheese. So no, it's the bass player. Is that the bass player? Yeah, yeah. Like Alex, is, Alex, he, Alex, old mate, Alex James is off making he, cheese. He is like Coxon was a, the a, was the difficult one. It was always Coxon, uh, Graham Coxon. It was the one who he would be the one who was difficult to bring back into the tent. But the fact that they're all back together, it's a little bit like the Gallagher brothers. At some stage, they're just going to grow up and go, oh, fuck it, let's just get back together again. Well, I did I did see that coming up is a, a Noel Gallagher. Uh, is it Noel? Noel Gallagher's high-flying birds. No, no, Liam. No, Liam Gallagher has an oh, album okay. on August Cause, 11. Because Noel's band, um, I, I listened to a, um, 
a podcast by a couple of motoring journalists who constantly take the piss out of Noel Gallagher's high-flying birds with, like, Noel Gallagher's high-idling escorts and Noel Gallagher's fucking high-sided vehicles and shit like that. This joke isn't going to work. I'm going to cut it out the podcast. You need another reference. Well, well, next we week we the have The thing the- is, I think, I think the Gallagher brothers are getting pretty close to a reunion and they're probably going to be... I reckon within within two to three years they'll be... Oasis will be touring again with with them all hanging oh, together again because you get to a certain that, age and you just go why the f- we're too old for this shit let's just well the, let's the just stop being close to each other like, that that would generate a huge amount of revenue I could not think yeah. of a band reforming more that yeah. would like you know yeah there's no eighties act many- that would do that it's now time for the nineties acts to do that and away yeah. and all the nineties bands Oasis is the one where it would. You know, it would genuinely get a huge fucking crowd. Would would Ace McWicked, you know, fly to Australia and go to every Australian show, like every Man, city? I might go to that. <laughs> you, you'd go in New Zealand. But- I've only, I've seen Oasis once. It was at Livid, and they were really fucking good. They were really rude mm. to the crowd. They were horrific. Yeah, but well, that's not going to change. He's teasing us about our accent. What do you mean? Don't look back in anger. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Noel's literally sledging us because of, of the way we're singing along to Don't Look Back in Anger. <laughs> you can't. And, of course, me and my drunk mate were going, Noel, where's your fruit platter? Which is which he never would have understood because it was a reference to a Martin Malloy sketch that he was never <laughs> completely unaware of. <coughs> oh, dear. Ah. Uh... I, I I cannot think of any other band reforming that would have that much of an impact. I don't think there's a not only nineties band. I don't think there's a band since because no bands aren't like because, that anymore. There aren't bands that were generally bigger than the fucking Beatles the way that that Oasis were. Uh, it would have to be like and, and not only maybe that, like a, a BTS or something, some kind of fucking pop act. But but even a boy band or something that was approaching that, they've all reformed and done a tour. They've all they've all done the. Yeah, the, the sellout. Like even back, like in the Backstreet Boys yeah. tour. Well, the only thing I could think of was one of those ridiculously big K-pop bands, One Direction. That would be the only one I could think yeah, of. Where, okay, but it's a okay. different kind of thing because playing live wasn't the point. I don't think anybody what would was- have said listening to One Direction live was was the point, and you bought the album in order to get the impression of what they sounded like live. Whereas with with Oasis, you know, they're a live, they're a rock and roll band. That's what they're for. Playing live is the fucking gig. What was B? Uh, Destiny's Destiny's Child. Child. But I, I thought they some of them re- rejoined her for that Super Bowl the, performance. They, she did. They probably, they, they probably, yeah, they probably done like charity stuff or yeah, yeah. And it's it's not really the same kind of thing. It's not it's not the same. And and there's not that that like there's such there's such it's a little the only the, the only com- comparable thing I can think of is Fate No More who. Sort of broke up, and everyone was like, "Well, yeah, everyone that, else in the band hates fucking fringe, Patton." Because man. I mean, I mean, yeah, oh, it's completely been forever. Like, but but it was only yeah. ever. I mean, they had what one number one song, but but in terms of the dislike, like everyone disliking each other, which the Gallagher's obviously have. Yeah, um, it's a bit like Monty Python almost. Yes, that. that's true. <laughs> Um, and, and every other band, they're broken up because someone's dead, like Led Zeppelin or The Who or ACDC. See, see if they were, if they really wanted to cash in, Oasis should reform and they should do a, like a an Oasis Blur Pulp tour, like with all three of them. Yes. <laughs> like that well, the that would absolutely- like, That would generate did more- this. You know, like Naughty by Nature and LL Cool J and all those acts all, yeah. all toured together. In fact, they'd, they'd get like a cruise and they'd go, go out in a fucking boat together. I could just see that- Noel and Liam and fucking Boxhead or whatever his name is and whoever the other members of Oasis are, they're fairly and, interchangeable. And, and, and even if they all got along, they could just feed the media like stories yeah. of them like hating each other on tour and like punch ups. Like, like you could, you could, you could probably actually get, um, who's the guy that did, um, he did Dazed and Confused, and he's done that Seven Up series. Oh, fuck, I can't think of the director. I don't think um, Michael Apter did, did uh, Dazed and Confused. No, who? Michael uh, Apter did Seven Up. He was a British dude. He did the the, the seven the interviews the, the every seven did, years. That was the original the, fucking 
series of that description. Oh, Richard Linklater. Didn't Richard Linklater do a, a, a series where he followed people through history? But, but you know, one of, one of those directors, if you got them to, like... <laughs> Like, do like almost do a docudrama of the the Reformation tour of Oasis, Blur, and Pulp. That would, I think that get would Rob be... Reiner to do it, the director of Spinal Tap. I think that would be perfect. Just film it like a docudrama, but also script it uh, and make it like Spinal Tap, and just and just play the, it completely straight. That would be brilliant. It it, it is linked later, but I'm thinking of the Before Sunrise. So he okay. did before sunrise, before sunset, and before midnight. Yeah, Seven Up was like, like a, six, was a British six, documentary yeah. series from the sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I'm thinking of that sort of, yeah. you know, which, following following through history. Which our generation mostly remembers for the Late Show sketch, where they they did like the mm. se- they they interview them every seven minutes. <laughs> I think I'd like to be a cook. <laughs> seven minutes later, like I told you, I think I'd like to be a cook. <laughs> seven minutes later. <laughs> How many times are I going to tell you? I think I'd like to be a cook. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> fucking do it. I just don't want to be a fucking cook. Uh, uh, In seven minutes just... time, you know, if, if you know, if all goes well, I, I, oh, I've caught the train. <laughs> Two minutes later. Uh, train's late. <laughs> I, I think people really underestimate the power of, of the late show on this podcast. The, it, it bonding. A- how good it was. Well, well, Whatever iconic comedy that came out when you were a teenager that was really good, um, and in our case it was the Degeneration Late Show, which was the, the, just they're incredibly a well bit, done. They're a little bit like the Hilltop Hoods of comedy, though, right? In that they've they do a very polished, well done production. Yeah, now. I think and, also and, they and were make- always Tories. I mean, they were all like med and law students, so they were always yes. going to be. You know, they were only rough, busted-ass uni students for a brief period of time, and most of that was because they brought in guys like Mick Malloy and Tony Martin. I mean, if you look yeah. at the core of them, they're extremely comfortable, yeah. well-off, middle-class. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tom, like, and like they're they're like ultra professional Monday to Friday content producers now. Like, aren't we all? Yeah, <laughs> we all. That's right. Uh, well, not yes. Monday, possibly. <laughs> Possibly Sunday, and usually kind of Wednesday. Look, the fact that we're still going, we and producing stuff at least of the audio quality that despite we all to- of the encouragement not to. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, we, we've outlasted probably half of ESPN's podcast. That's for sure. We've outlasted entire media organisations. Yeah. Um, and on that note. Hereafter follows a very long and winding, probably very drunk, after dark that covers all manner of absolutely irrelevant topics that have nothing to do with the music podcast that preceded it, but we'll leave it in here just for the completists. We've outlasted the New York Times' sports desk. Yes, that's true. Uh, though that was, I wanted to bring that up in the sports podcast, but there was a couple of posts by some athletic writers today about engagement and how they operate that was extremely depressing and made me want to cancel my subscription. So. Well, it's also depressing that, you know, some extremely good New York Times sports writers have been let go because they're actually they're just going to replace them with the athletic. But uh, anyway. It, it, that, mm. it, it is funny that, that the US is going through this um, period of, like, Radical unionization. Yes. <laughs> Which is, Things must be really is, grim because usually only yeah. that happens when shit is grim. But yeah. Uh, well, what, what looks like radical unionization, but for, for us is like standard. It's literally yes. how the rest of the world operates. It's like, oh, welcome to the real world, you fucking capitalist running dogs. You finally yeah. figured out that, you know, maybe the workers should have some kind of collective say in how shit happens, mm. given that they're also. Partly involved in how how we deliver profits to fucking shareholders. Yep. And on that upbeat note, talk, shall we wind up our musical podcast? Let's do that. Americans are cunts. 
even though we rely on them for so much of our, well, at least half of our content, given the NBL hasn't really taken off as the preeminent no. basketball competition yet. So. And, <laughs> and I don't think Bezos is really going to buy into us turning it all like a football and motorsport podcast, much as, uh, uh, much look, as my interests lie that way. I could probably pivot into football. I, I, I think football has an, a lot of, but like football, <laughs> football seems even worse than basketball as far as capitalism and and uh, you know the, the the bad parts of sport. I think yeah, are just as prevalent in, still, in football as they are in basketball. They are, but at least I think it's just more that with football, it's extremely obvious about the the economic drivers. Whereas yeah. you know in Ameri- you know any kind of self-contained American sport. They try to kind of cover it up and hide behind the shield and also hide behind the players, and you kind of don't see the the hidden hand of gross, you know, cadaverous billionaire dum in the background. Whereas you can actually you can see how the sausage is being made in football, and yet with all that done and said, you still see things like a Leicester winning the Premier League or yeah. the last couple of years in in Italy, where like a, a Milan team that that. Was you know by you know, fairly cheaply put together, extremely well coached with up up and coming players. You know, won the league and Napoli won the league last year as well. So it's you can still do stuff with coaching and smart front office and want to in football how, that, that you can't really do. How in are basketball. you going to feel when Haralabob wins the Spanish? <laughs> well, he's he's still got to get out of Division One. Um, yeah, yeah. But I like that because he seems to be in it for the right reasons. He's um, oh mate, he he is locked in. He's a Castellon, I think, isn't he? Where, yeah. where is he? Where's yeah. what's his team? Castellon. He he he's basically doing the 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 like non-celebrity version of Wrexham, Wrexham right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Wrexham things turned like, out really he, well too, to be honest. And they've they've he, they he, seem but, to be on it for the right like, reasons too. He has literally put his money where his mouth is. He's yeah. like, I believe in this is the way that you should run a sporting team. And he's not doing the Maury thing of um, culture and, and yeah. uh, like, like the, it, he, he's not of that intangibles don't matter, I'm just a quant and these are the numbers. Like, he does not believe that at all. Like, and that's interesting because, um, like, he's got that human interaction. Uh, sort of real lesson that he got from the Mavericks. Mm. You, know, you know, he, yeah. he sort of dipped his toe in that world and was like, "Oh, this is what a crap owner can do to a team." And this is also what and happens when you when you neglect all the human quality elements to it. Yeah, so so it's a, it's a re- like it's a really interesting test case because like I think you and I share a dislike of what gambling does to sport. Um, True, so but we're- professional gamblers, I don't have such a problem with because they are. By their nature, they are making money off the back of the leeches. Yeah, they are like fleecing the leeches. They're, they're, so they're, they're, literally, they're literally monifying stupidity. The guy, the guy who bought Brentford. It, there's a guy who made his fortune in professional gambling, and he owns Brentford in the Premier League, and he also owns a. His first team was a team in um, Sweden, I think. Uh, I have less of a problem with those dudes because they have played the players. That's actually yep. best of luck to him. You know, you, you've you've beaten the house. Good on you. Yep. Yeah. He he's a he's a really interesting thing because his sort of public media persona uh, was very villainous. And yeah, but how much of that was because you know? Well, I think it's a it's a it's a Cuban. Most it's of his a, most a, of his early yeah. public p- persona was through fucking co-appearances Simmons. with Simmons. And yeah, how much of that was was just the way that he was coded through being through with, with Simmons? You know, it was yeah. Sneering rich white guys talking about you know how they're going to exploit these black dudes. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, I think the the gambling piece makes it a little bit distasteful. But yeah, like you said, I think his heart's in the right place. Well, it and also means he understands numbers, but he also understands that numbers aren't everything. Yeah, the the the, the thing that I like from pure team building uh, perspective, like and understanding all the moving parts that makes a team. Everything I've heard from him is. He gets the analytics side, but he also he, he's not Murray. He gets that yeah. he gets that human side. He understands that there's there's some stuff, there's some magic source that you have to get right, 
And if you don't get it right, all all the numbers in the world don't fucking help you. Yeah. Um, I think his problem's going to be, though, that the Spanish second division isn't like the English second division in that it's like a Premier League B. The Spanish second division is a is a fucking bizarre netherworld of weirdness. And uh, he, he is just as likely to disappear into the third division as he is to go to be elevated think, into, the, think, into the Premier, into the, into the La Liga, just because weird shit happens in that league every fucking day of the week. I think that's why he's actually gone to that division, though. I think also because it was dramatically cheaper than buying a fucking debt-laden uh, championship team. But uh, but I think that the high variance is what appeals to him. Like, yeah, okay. You, you know, there, there would be something in the back of his mind that's like, high variance is where I live, right? Yeah. You, you know, that that is that is the edge that I have, and I have some sort of intangible, you know, juju that lets me understand that in you know like i can i can exploit exploit that fucking craziness um whereas if he did it in the premier league it would be like oh you're just a numbers guy and you've worked the numbers yeah if but you that can worked do it at in brentford, he- that fucking works real well at brentford like they yeah. they got into the premier league based on that kind of stuff on, on dependence yeah, on but, the numbers but, but that's the thing if you can do it in the spanish league right where you have this yeah. insane craziness in the background. But, it's like- but it is much more regional too. It is more about, you know, it's a bit like the, those teams that, that win on the basis of guts and local, bro, you know, the local butcher making them sausages and the t- team colours and that kind of yeah. stuff. But but he but he seems like all the interviews I've heard with him he, and the stuff that I've seen on Twitter, he seems to understand that for them to be sustainably good, they and, – and that's, and that's what I think Ryan Reynolds has understood with Wrexham too yeah. is – you can't just go and boost this team up through the league. You've actually got to make it like a tourist pride destination, something that everyone believes in. Like you're sort of proud that you come from Wrexham. You well, know? well, to be an effective team at that level, you almost need to understand that you are a team that buys cheap talent, develops it, and sells it on. Yeah, like, that's kind of that's going to be and. You can spin that as a narrative for whatever TV show you want to make, but in reality, that's what it's going to be. Because, um, but, but but the funny thing is, if they find good talent and spin it on, they'll always be oh that guy from Wrexham that yes. Brian Reynolds found. So it builds you know, the like, brand. It builds the brand of, of, yeah, Rex, that's right. of, of like, Reynolds and um, who's his offsider from? It's always Sunny. Yeah, Macklin, um, Yeah, but but like. You know, if he go, if they have someone from Wrexham go and play for Arsenal and he scores a goal, it's like, yeah. oh, you know, here's the guy that Ryan Reynolds discovered at Wrexham scoring. And it's funny because Arsenal won't get the credit for it. Wrexham will get the credit for well, it. Well, so in America it will be, but yeah. anywhere that actually follows football will understand. What's True. Going yeah. But that's the thing. I mean, that's why football is growing so big. I mean, the greatest footballer of the last thirty years just rocked up in fucking in a swamp in in Fort Lauderdale. Um, to play for Inner Miami, which he chose to turn down a shitload of money from from fucking the Bonesaw cunts in order to, to play for Miami, which is um, a hell of an endorsement of, of what the what kind of operation they're running there. But but um, also a, a heroic fuck you to Cristiano Ronaldo, which is hilarious. Is that like, I wanted to talk to you about that? Do, do they have the potential to be like the fourth biggest league in the world? Like you know, you've got the big three, but I think have they no, got the potential no to, because, to overtake the Bundesliga? I think no, because of time of year. I think because they run at a different time of year, they run a calendar year. Because the the overall level of talent isn't in that discussion. I mean, that you've got three ex Barcelona dudes at at Miami, and you've got a whole bunch of just fucking randos playing for Vancouver. You know, it's mm. um, and the other problem is that they've tied it up with this Apple. TV exclusive deal whereby you've got to buy a uh, to watch the MLS. You've got to buy a fucking season pass. They they've okay. really put a barrier up to casuals to watch. But, it but costs. You, okay, do you know what the gateway drug to that is though? Heroin. If you buy a new device, every time you buy a new device, you get that you get that free. Yeah, sure. For the first year. Yeah, but but, but then but when you when you that- need to pay rack rate, you are paying. Yeah. I was looking at today. I would be paying twice as much to get an MLS season pass as I would per month for B in sport that gives me La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A, the Championship, the Carabao Cup, 
at the fucking uh, French okay. League, the Dutch League. You know, it's like, I reckon I know where the value is there. Yeah, f- for you, I agree. But the thing is, right, like, I pay- I'm not that desperate to see Messi. I saw him when he was good playing for Barcelona. I, I pay, like, I don't I don't have any Apple subscriptions, right? I don't have Apple Music. I don't have Apple TV. I don't have any of them. I've thought but, about Apple, Apple Music because, you know, Spotify can't. Yeah. But- Well, and, and, and the other thing is they reckon that the, eminently the quality, the quality of the sound is so much better on Apple Music than it is on Spotify. Who fucking cares? We listen on AirPods yeah. and fucking- Yeah, that's, that, that's true. I'll, don't- I, I have to say, I'm getting a new worker soon, and it has a it has a, a seven speaker Harman cut. Oh, are you getting the fun bus? Are you getting that fun bus you sent me? No, the I'm getting of? a Ford. The Hyundai that was the size of a fucking no, house. No, no, I'm getting a Ford Everest. Oh, you literally everyone in Australia has a Ford Everest. No, that they're actually not that common. I've been looking on the road. The Ranger is super popular. Every every. What do you think the Everest is? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a shortened no, ranger. It's, it's just a ranger. It's a ranger. That's a ranger. And then they had a long and even more drunken conversation about Bezos' um, new car, and it ended up in a argument about what kind of engine is in the new Ford Everest. We will speak that. Good night to you. But I don't like wearing shirts, dude. Like- so you just want to go around nude with your nips out. And for that reason, <laughs> you're going to burn a hole in the ozone layer and destroy the planet for your children. <laughs> oh, this is about the, the most old school after dark that we've had for a yeah. long time. Anyway, thanks, Doc. It was good. Good chat. You should ride a bicycle. Think about the environment. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, catch you on the flip side. See ya. Oh, that was excellent. I don't know how you're going to edit that. Where are you going to put that?